work and finance God bless, no, this not by chance Don't dab me, you're not my man Don't at me, you're not my man Mama said don't buy it if you can, I buy it twice I cop out the tools and I don't pump fake with the price Always on the grind, I put in work with all my might I know that he got me, got me, got me, not by sight Yeah, 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 yeah Today we have a very awesome, very smart, very cool <laughs> individual. Uh, he's going to let you know a little bit about what he do. Uh, he's got some interesting uh, things that uh, that he do. And, uh, and like I said, I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dan Hayden. Hey there. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well, and it's great to see you, Gary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Dan, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do. Uh, so I'm 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 an engineer, lifelong engineer. Um, I graduated many years ago. Doesn't feel like ages, you know. It doesn't seem like it should be that many years ago, but it's actually caught up with me. Uh, I uh, started working in the workforce 40 years ago. Mm. And uh, uh, as an engineer, got my uh, degree in electrical engineering, uh, and I started working in the uh, aircraft business. I was uh, living in Wichita, Kansas, working for Cessna Aircraft, and then uh, moved over to Learjet. I remember hearing about Learjets? Everyone talks about Gulf Streams today, but <laughs> back in the days, everyone wanted a Learjet back in the back in yeah. the 80s and 90s. Uh, then uh, I went to work for another company called, or almost went to work for a company called Beechcraft. But then I switched and um, I got married. We moved down to Austin, Texas, and I went to work for Lockheed. Okay. If you're in the DOD business, you know Lockheed. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I started my career in government contracting at that point in time. And uh, I spent the next, that was in 1985. So that was 36 years ago. So I got my security clearance. Got involved with a with a with a bunch of programs, and we were living in Austin, Texas at the time. Austin was in the 1980s, was the um, was the the government had formed this this consortium of companies mm -hmm. because back in the 80s, everyone thought the threat was Japan. Mm -hmm. Japan at that time in the 80s was taking over the world from a manufacturing perspective, and they were kicking everyone's butt when it came to uh cars and TVs and computers mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. So the government said, oh, we need to beef up the United States. So Austin, Texas was where all kinds of companies went to. Uh, and that lasted about 10 years until the mid-90s, and then everyone kind of faded away. And that whole thing faded away. Japan kind of faded away. Um, and uh, But I found that I was fascinated with national security um, and uh, – uh, and really double down on, on making that the, the future. And uh, uh, I, I left. So Lockheed made a decision in the mid-90s to close down what they had in Austin, Texas. Uh, they asked me to move to Denver, Colorado. But my wife and I loved Texas. We didn't want to leave. So I went and joined a small little, very small little startup defense company. And uh, 
had a really good run there. It was very, very successful there. Grew that from uh, about eight engineers to about 150 engineers over six years. Um, and then the owner and I, well, we kind of didn't see eye to eye. So I left and uh, uh, there was a, there was a, uh, uh, an army person that I knew. Uh, he went on, his name was uh, Keith Alexander. Okay. And he went on to become the head of NSA and the head of uh, U.S. Cyber Command and other stuff like that. But um, I got invited to go out and join his uh, band of engineers uh, right around 2001, right before 9-11 happened. Okay. Um, and so I was working out here in Northern Virginia, living in Texas, going home back and forth on the weekends. And, and then 9-11 happened. Uh, and I made a decision that it was time to move out to, to Northern Virginia. So... In 2002, picked up the family, moved out here, did about a year of consulting, and then I went and started a company. Um, and uh, we grew that company over the next nine years to about 250 people. Uh, that company got acquired um, and uh, stayed with them for a few years. And, and then I said, enough of this, time to go start another company. So I left and started this company I have today called Cohere. Okay. So. So mixing, mixing engineering, national security, government contracting, uh, intelligence community stuff, mm-hmm. and okay. pretty much what I'm passionate about. That, that and finding aliens, okay? Finding aliens. <laughs> Just got to put that out there. Finding yeah, aliens. yeah, yeah. If you haven't read the article, you got to go out there and read the article. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, Dan, so um, tell us a little bit about what you do with your free time. So, um, I, 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 first off, I'm, I'm an avid aviator, um, okay. very passionate aviator. Uh, I wanted to fly since I was a, a little kid. Um, so when I can afford it, and I, there's been different times I can afford it, and sometimes I cannot afford it. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've been uh, heavily involved in uh, aviation businesses all the way from, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, flying uh, wounded warriors around, transporting them from place to place, okay. uh, flying uh, retirees, giving them free rides and stuff like that. There's an organization I've been heavily involved with for several years called the Commemorative Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and its you know job is uh, to uh, educate, inspire, and honor our veterans. Um, and uh, so we have a so the Commemorative Air Force is an organization of about 170 World War II airplanes and uh, about 75 units organized all around the country. And we have one here in Northern Virginia. It's located out where I live, out in Culpeper. Um, and so I do a lot of volunteering out there as well, okay. um, as well as spend time with my my wife and, 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 and family. We live out on a farm. Um, and, uh, there is no spare minute <laughs> when it comes to yeah, maintain, yeah. maintaining that kind of stuff. That's so, what I was yeah. going to say. I, I wonder what, what, what all you're doing out there on the farm. I mean, I could only imagine how much time that takes just, uh, just uh, you, messing you, around uh, out there. You, uh, so we have you know people that you know, take care of all of the, uh, the land, um, okay. they're, they're harvesting it and other stuff they got, but, um, but we do have, you know, we have to keep the house and the. I have a, a almost a mile of fence out there that has to get painted every every year. 
And uh, so I, I paint little sections of it every year. And so if you're listening, Dan needs a team to get out there. There you go. <laughs> and we have the pool to put you in afterwards so you can swim. And uh, Make it know, a summer here. barbecue thing. Everybody get out there with Peyton Dan's fence. We'll, we'll feed you. <laughs> um, we have libations, lots of libations, and and it's it's really good time. I actually, you know, my wife wanted to to buy this place and live out here. Um, she grew up on a farm, and uh, I was and just so going to ask you that. Yeah. She, she's she's retired. I'm not retired, and so we had a little tug of war. I lost, and so we moved out to the retirement home, and I get to drive in every day now. So, <laughs> so that's kind of funny how that works. But uh, yeah, I was going to say, how did you how did you land on that? Free. Yeah, yeah. But I also do a lot of reading, okay? I do a lot of reading. Um, what are some of the books you read? So uh, I'm, I'm very much into uh, uh, military history. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, also do a lot of uh, auto- autobiographies, uh, a lot of biographies of famous people, um, yeah. well-written. Uh, here's an interesting one that, um, that I recently read was uh, a actress... Uh, famous during the World War II and post-World War II era. Her name was Hedy Lamar. You ever heard that name? Mm-mm. Well, anyway, she, she's a famous actress, but uh, she was credited with having developed some of the uh, uh, spectrum technology behind Wi-Fi. Okay. And, and when I heard that, um, so there, there, there's this very famous uh, comedy from the 1970s named Blazing Saddles, done by a guy named Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he, there was a lot of jokes in there about, about Hedy Lamar. That's the first time I'd ever heard the name, and then I became real familiar with this part of older films. But, but I was like, how could this lady, who's a well-known actress back in the 50s, 60s, and you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, how could she have been behind developing Wi-Fi technology? And uh, she's actually a very, very smart person. In and she was uh, in Austria um, pre World War II, um, and uh, had some some rough had a rough marriage there. Escaped to London, escaped to the United States, and then she wanted to develop technology against the Nazis. So. She was really passionately involved with it. That's just an example. That's an autobiography. Yeah. It's a biography, not an autobiography, but a biography. But I love reading those kinds of things. And, uh, okay. you know, I, when we moved, first moved out here to Northern Virginia, we moved very, very close to the Manassas battlefield. And I said, you know what? I remember something about the Civil War from like, what, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, something like that. I just literally didn't hardly know anything about it. So I actually read, I probably read maybe 40 books mm. on the Civil War. Over time, then it's like okay, I became smart about the Revolutionary War, the uh, World War One, uh, uh, Mexican American War. Um, Dan, I'm not gonna lie to you; those things in school used to kill my brain cells. Uh, you, when I used to collect that type of information, I was like, "Oh my gosh, are we gonna need yeah, this again?" So I, had, I had zero appreciation for that as yeah. a kid. Okay. Yeah. And and I and I truly think I'm not convinced that it's a smart thing to teach uh, our children these things because it's just filling you with lots and lots of stuff. When you have the context of life, yeah, and life is giving you, you know, like I said, you know, I, I started really actively reading about 20 years ago, and I'll be honest with you, I started doing it because 
I was going crazy. I was going to try to go sleep at night, and my head was full of code. I write code. You know, I've yeah. written about two and a half million lines of software in my life. Okay, oh, two and a half That's million lines. So I tried to go to bed, and as I solving problems in my head, it's like this is. <laughs> so I started reading to try to cleanse my mind before I went to sleep. But then I really got into this stuff, and like I said, you know, when you have the context of life to look through and study these things. Um, they become way, way, way more meaningful. I, I, I promise I'm not an expert on an education. I hardly know anything about <laughs> it. But I, I took away almost nothing from all those history classes when you know growing up. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, and that's why I said I when when you said the same thing about uh, you going to sleep, uh, you like have a million things in mind. I, I felt the same way. Uh, <laughs> like like the Matrix. Like I said, I, I tell people, you know, people like, so what you dream about? I was like, it sounds real stupid, but I'd be like, hey, I dreamed about it's like it was like the end of the movie in my head, like just credits was going up. You know, I don't hardly remember much of anything. So, like you said, I, I do uh, to put myself to sleep, not read, but I, I watch like an anime cartoon or, you know, Dragon Ball Z or something like that to ease my mind before I go to sleep. Because if not, I then I, I think it's a really, really smart thing to do. But I just said I found that reading was. You know, something to to get your mind off of all the day's activities and, oh, yeah. and and let it focus on something else as a way to kind of cleanse your thought thinking process and other stuff like that. I just found is I I never never considered myself an avid reader all through life until that point in time, and and all of a sudden it became a, I started becoming a really avid avid reader. So okay, I probably so. read. Uh, you know, I'm you know, I mean, there's like my wife; she'll she'll go through two books a week. Okay, I'm not quite that level. That's but that's, that's that's a speed reader. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably going through about one book every three or four weeks. So I'll read. Yeah, that's, you know, that's still a good pace. 15, Fifteen books a year, something like that. That's still a good pace. That's still a good pace, depending on how big that book is, too. <laughs> well, and then and then I love the you know, I do I, I read a lot of newspapers too. So I I, I I consider myself pretty current on a lot of stuff. Okay, so, so t- tell me um tell us a little bit about uh like what your company does, like, what do you actually uh, do? Sure. Sure. I won't get too technical about it, but um, uh, I actually, we spent a lot, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do with this company. The thing I'll tell you is that, you know, when you, when you know it's going to be your last company and then you're retiring after that, um, I kind of built myself a little bit of a bucket list of things I want to do. So for example, I spent a lot of my career, working uh doing uh, supporting the army and the national security agency and uh there are other agencies that I ever worked for and i wanted to to work do do work with them so i put them on my list different organizations different customers and all this stuff like that and said i want to become a contractor in these spaces so i've uh, been working through that becoming successful at that but the other thing is like you know what you look for is is what i mean my big thing is I have technology. I'm very smart about technology. Where, where are there mission problems where technology can be applied to fix something? Okay, um, where, where technology can help. Where can technology help the mission? And um, uh, after a few years, like literally three or four years of, of working on this, we have um, we're, we're starting to settle down on. This uh, uh, this field of uh, information warfare, okay. So information warfare is uh, is uh, where 
you know, used to be when we had a bad guy that we wanted to, to, uh, you know, when the military wants to do something about a bad guy, they might, you know, might kill him, drop a bomb on him, launch a predator missile at him or something like that. Right. So, uh, information warfare is like, uh, it's a whole different, different approach to things, which is let's see if we can influence things, uh, through other ways yeah. at the same time. Uh, that's an offensive way at the same time, defensively, let's see if we're being manipulated. Let's see if we're being, um, let's see if we're being, uh, tampered. There's a disinformation campaign underway or something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that this is actually, <laughs> this is actually pretty relevant, real big in the, in this world. Um, we we're seeing a lot of it over the last several years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, standard assessment is that the United States is actually pretty far behind other countries in terms of their capabilities here. Oh yeah. Uh, Hello, how you doing? This is Brown from Brown's Bounce Around, where we make it happen one event at a time. We are located in the Fort Lee, Virginia area and the Tri-Cities area. You can Google us, Brown's Bounce Around, or you can follow us on Facebook, Brown's Bounce Around. Thank you. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, an example is, you know, everything Russia has been doing um like for example when they went after ukraine when they went after georgia when they took over crimea and other stuff like that um other countries are, are are doing it as well it's not not just them um so uh the the one of the things that differentiates our country from other countries is the fact that we have a whole set of laws meant to put guardrails up uh in terms of like what the government can do what the military can do and all this stuff like that other countries don't have those laws or if they do they just ignore them um and uh it makes things harder for us because we are such a structured country and we have an amazing balance between you know the executive branch the judiciary and legislative branch and uh and we are fairly law-abiding country so um we have a lot of constraints on us about being able to do things we can't just go off and willy-nilly say oh let's start doing this thing right here to go against that that threat organization because we feel like it there are enormous just within the DoD side there's enormous policies within um you know the title 10 constructs the title 50 for intelligence collection constructs there's a lot of constraints in terms of what you can and cannot do mm -hmm. uh and so that makes it challenging and that's from my perspective it's 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 fun it, yeah. it what's fun is recognizing that um we have a framework to work with them and let's figure out how we can work within that framework to start to accomplish some things so the engineer in me wants to, uh, you know, it's like I have a mouse trap, and I want to start figuring out how to build a better mouse trap. Gotcha, so. gotcha, I gotcha. So Dan, yeah. let's 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 flip it up some. Let's 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 apply some pressure. So, five, five. <laughs> give me your top five planes of all time. Top five planes of all time, and then I'll let you throw in two uh, jumbo jets you would require, <laughs> 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 or you'd <would> recommend. <laughs> All right, top five planes. Top um, five planes. I'm matter of fact, and while you're telling me, I'm going to look these planes up. All right, start with the P-51 Mustang. 
He World World War Two fighter, fifty one Mustang. I see it right here. Let me take a look at this bad boy. Classic. I love it. Look, it reminds me of one of the. Uh, I don't. I'm sure you've seen a Disney movie called Planes. They, they showcase a lot of these on there. Yeah, yeah. So P fifty one, gorgeous plane. If you've never heard one fly do a flyby at an air show. It is absolutely worth the price of admission to hear that uh, that Merlin engine, V yeah, twelve, nice. uh, cranking and and flying down there. It's just a gorgeous sounding airplane, um, and it was one of the things that really helped turn the war because um, all of our back in World War II, all of our bombers were getting shot out of the sky mm-hmm. until they came up with the P fifty one because it had enough range that it could fly with the bombers all the way to Germany. And stay with them so that they weren't getting all shot out of the sky. Uh, the life expectancy of a of a B seventeen air crew until the P fifty ones came along was only about, you know, uh, what was it? About fifteen missions. You know, you were you weren't going to last more than fifteen missions before you got killed. So the P fifty ones really really changed things. So one of my favorite planes. Another one is the DC three. I'm a real big fan of the DC three, also called the C forty seven. That was the military version of it. This is what, for example, carried uh, the uh, 82nd Airborne, 101st Airborne during the D-Day invasion of uh, France. It's a heavy um, plane. I, I love that plane, and, and that is my on my uh, retirement bucket list is to become a pilot for there. So some of these museums around, they have these planes. There's, they have these planes, and uh, they're always looking for volunteer pilots to, to come fly that. So my, my expectation in retirement is to go fly one of those things um, around for, for a museum. This is so. nice. This, this looks pretty heavy, though, Dan. It looks pretty heavy. It looks like it weighs a lot. <laughs> it, it does. It does. But, um, uh, they're, they're, you know, as, as airplanes go, they're not super expensive. They take a big hanger to, 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 to keep them in. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that thing... That thing uh, was just the workhorse of of the United States uh, arms armed you know the Army Air Corps back then. Um, it, was, it was such just such a huge thing. Uh, and th- another great plane is the um, is just frankly is is a Piper Cub. Okay, Piper Cub, uh, super affordable airplane. Piper Cub J three Cub. If you Google that and see it, uh, it looks like a, a, a crop duster. No, no, not crop dusting. It's just simply recreation. It, okay. it, you know, the thing doesn't do more than about 60 miles an hour tops, okay? And that's probably in a dive. It might do 60 miles an hour. Not a very fast plane, but it really popularized um, and created a whole crop of pilots, okay? Pilots all, you know, people could afford to go fly, and they could afford to go fly a J-3 Cub. Um, yeah, I see a lot of these in, like, uh, movies when they're, like, on vacation. They, like, fly from one place to another in this. Small one. I'm looking at a picture right now. It looks like it's in a movie. All right. Here, here's another one, which is it's called the Cirrus. C I R R U S. Cirrus. S R twenty two. S R twenty two. That's that's a great one. So this 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 uh, company came around in the late '90s and started. Uh, they revolutionized um, small airplane ownership. It's one of the first airplanes to come along that had a built-in parachute system. Okay. You as a pilot, you get in trouble, you pull the handle, parachute pops out, and uh, you just save your bacon and uh, probably your kids and your wife's bacon. As well. <laughs> so uh, there, there's all these online forums, and they track the number of times that uh, 
that uh, the uh, that the shoot has saved a family or saved someone uh, from otherwise a fatal airplane crash. You see small airplane crashes all the time. Frankly, there is uh, too many of those uh, and what have you. So uh, the last airplane is the T6 Texan. That's the one that uh, uh, I owned for a while. And a uh, gorgeous airplane. I hope I'll own another one someday. Okay. Um, and uh, it was called the Pilot Maker. Um, it was what the, uh, before you got the keys to your P-51 to go fly off and, and fight the enemy, you did all your training, all your training in a T6 Texan. It's just a gorgeous airplane, downright gorgeous airplane. Awful lot of fun to fly. And oh, yeah. uh, there were, you know, about 15,000 of them made um, from okay. from around 1940 until they stopped making them in the, uh, like, like 1953. There's my okay. top five. All right, so give me your two jumbo jets. Um, well, okay. On the on the jet side, uh, on the jet side, um, um, I I will say is that uh, uh, you can't beat a Gulfstream. Okay, Gulfstream is the ultimate Cush uh, plane and uh and, and what have you. And then the other one. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh yeah. The other one that is uh, is uh, is really really remarkable is the um, uh, the one that Boeing just recently uh, finished completion of. And I can't remember what the the heck the name of it is. It's uh, escaping me. But it's one they're they're making down in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina now. But um, it has a uh, has the extra big windows in it, and it's a partly composite airplane. They started uh, making it. Uh, is it the seven eighty seven Dreamliner? Yeah, that's it. Yep, seven eighty-seven. I see it. It that looks. That's un, they're going to fit a lot of people in there. I'm going to tell you that. So what, what's fun though? What's fun to see and and and, and the other side, I have dozens of aviation magazines that cover come every month. But um, this field is is just exploding. There's so much new innovation going on and what have you. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I wouldn't put it. You know, I'm I'm excited to see maybe in the next uh, five to ten years. Uh, we're all going to have our personal quadcopters. So not 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 just a little drone for going around taking camera pictures, but it becomes yeah. your personal yeah, transportation. <laughs> yeah, you know, just might happen. Okay, utilize airspace and take away traffic from the floor. I mean, we're at I electric cars. We're 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 moving through uh t- uh through uh time. So Ooh, and, and I got and and just to pivot on that point, I got to tell you that um. So my daughter bought a new car this past winter, uh-huh. and it was it, just a Mazda. She bought a Mazda, you uh-huh. know, some sort of uh, crossover Mazda car. Okay. And I was stunned by how sophisticated uh, the cruise control was on it. So it would, it would, you know, you set the cruise control and it stays in pace with the car in front of you. You know, mm-hmm. it, it'll, it'll, you know, you set the speed limit on it, but the car in front of you slows down. It keeps the distance the same, oh, and if the, the car speeds back up, it speeds like streamline, back up. It's like a NASCAR streamline. Like yeah, so, so you know, that, you know, I know that Tesla has this, you know, auto drive thing for you and what have you. But you know, the the possibility of having autopilots on cars is we're on that edge right now. Yeah, and so that's, that's, yeah, that's that's a good thing. The engineer in me gets very, very excited by these innovations. They really are. And, and see, uh, if you're still down in Texas, you'll see uh, they're, they're actually Amazon's delivering with drones out there. You know, you can't do it here, but 
They're delivering certain packages straight to your door within hours with a drone. I think that's on the horizon. I really do. And uh, the technologist in me is very, very excited by by where all this is going. Really, yeah. really is. And I, I think, you know, probably the next three three years or so, I'll probably be driving an electric car myself. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I, hey, could you imagine right now, like your keyboard broke. All you got to do is get on your phone and say, hey, Amazon, I need X. And here it comes flying out of the sky right into your hand within an hour like it went to Walmart for you. I can't wait till I order my pizza that way. Okay, oh, wait for Domino's delivery vehicle. I seen that. I seen the commercial with the one that drove up. I was like, wow, that would be crazy. But then now you feel like you're being watched because it's not a driver; it's a driverless delivery. I know. I and know. And you're like, man, <laughs> it's 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 nuts where where we're heading with uh, technology. I, I like it. So, what what drew your attention to uh, technology in the first place? So it wasn't there to begin with. Kind of, kind of got it um, started developing it as I started filling out my oats as, as a young engineer. Uh, a real, a real quick story. When uh, so I, I was when I was in high school, I was intimidated by computers. Com- computers were fairly brand new, and I did a yeah. little bit of programming on computers. So I went to college. In uh, started at the University of Colorado in Boulder, Colorado, and I arrived there in the late 70s with all these other kids who all built Heathkit, Radio Shack home computers. They built their own computers. And I was like, the only guy that showed up said, no, I, I never messed around with doing that kind of stuff. It really intimidated me. So for the longest time, I didn't want to mess with computers. I took a summer job after my second year of college. And uh, one of my first days there, um, the, we need to fix a printer, mm-hmm. um, a, com- a computer printer. That prints out prints out stuff, what have you. And it wasn't working. And uh, the guy's leading me through how we're going to troubleshoot and fix it. These were this was an expensive printer for that day. I think these were this is probably a ten thousand dollar printer back in the seventies. So it was a very expensive printer. Okay, and uh, uh, he asked me to check the fuse, make sure that wasn't. And I said, yeah, look, yeah, it's fine. So we went through, and we spent the next several hours troubleshooting this thing, going through with test probes and oscilloscopes and going through all these uh, these uh, complex circuit diagrams to figure out where the problem is in there. Ultimately, the problem was the fuse. <laughs> the simple fuse. How great that was. He asked, that he asked me to look at it. And I said, you know what? <laughs> I don't seem to have a knack for, uh, for this hardware thing. And, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, I will tell you that I lament the fact that I'm not a gearhead. You know, the people that go out and work on cars and they can do magic with cars and this other guy. You look at the people who do the, um, uh, that, uh, you know, do NASCAR and that kind of stuff and the modified bodies of of car engines and that kind of stuff. They have a real knack for that kind of stuff. And that's not me. I wish I was there, but I'm not. But instead, what I did is I, as I, as I became, yeah, I just, I read, I read a lot of articles and that kind of stuff. And I saw where, you know, software in particular was being used in all kinds of new ways. And it's been so exciting to see uh, the trends in software. And what I found is I had a really, really good knack for software. As bad as I was at circuits, like telling me if the fuse was burnt, okay, don't ever ask me to come wire your house either, because I guarantee you're going to have to hire an electrician to come out and undo everything I screwed up. Don't ask me to come over and change your oil. I'll probably screw that up. Uh, all these things I discovered I'm not good at, but I am good at software. 
Um, but what's been neat to see is how uh, software has transformed things over the years. Um, there was a really, really big interest in artificial intelligence back in the 80s. Then it kind of petered out. And then today it's it's all the rage. Um, and uh, and that's been neat to see that come back and the resurgence that it has been. And, you know, actually, I understand the underlying reasons and where the research has developed and, and, and automated stuff. Um, all the way to like Siri, okay? Siri on my iPhone, mm-hmm. that's that's software technology behind that. It's yeah. a lot of math, a lot of model development of what works and what doesn't, but that's really exciting to see um, that stuff come about. Okay. And uh, that that's that gets the passion. Okay. I love that. Okay, so Dan, if you can go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Anywhere in the world? Italy. Never been yeah. there. It's it's the number one on my bucket list. Okay. I'm taking my family to Italy next year. Okay. Yeah, and make sure you eat some good food there. Gotta have some good. Never food. been there, for whatever reason, it has captured my attention, and uh, and I want to go there. Okay. So right. we're gonna we're gonna but, be looking happy to go to Italy. But, but here's you know what I'd really love to do sometime as well is I'd love to go to the Antarctic. Mm. I would love to go down and see that part of the world. Uh, I'll probably be alone. I'm 99% sure the wife has zero interest in that. All yeah, my daughters yeah. have zero interest in that, but I'd love to go to the Atlantic or to, yeah. to the Antarctica. Uh, and, Antarctica, yeah, that's the first time I heard that. Somebody wants to go out to Antarctica. But um, go play so, with the penguins. Uh, go play with the penguins. <laughs> Come back a penguin, happy feet. Right. Uh, but um, so this is the time when we, uh, we, we do the knowledge hour, man. Uh, we we drop some knowledge on the viewers of something that maybe they should know, maybe they uh, maybe that you want to share, or maybe that you feel like that we should know. So, what do you got on your mind, Dan? Give us some knowledge. Well, let's let's pick a topic. Let's pick a topic. Where um, so um, where uh, you're focusing with with your podcast, uh-huh. the audience you want to reach. Yep. Is for example entrepreneurs, right? Yep. Okay, so um, I'm a big fan of that, and one of the things I love about this country is um, the things we have done, the opportunities that have presented themselves and can present themselves to those that want to go after it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, at the one hand. Too much information out there to digest about going and starting your own company and your own business. You got to read dozens and dozens of books. But the problem is, there's this much information. You need that nugget. You need that nugget. You need that nugget. You need that nugget. So, um, I one of the things that I do plan on doing in retirement is uh, is mentorship. Is helping mentor um, entrepreneurs in terms of going and doing stuff. Um, if, if there's any sage wisdom that I can offer as an old fart now, um, uh, to convey, um, there, there are a number of things that go with it. Number one is, um, hard work still prevails. Okay. Whether or not you want to do a food truck, whether you want to be your own chef, whether you want to build the latest social media app for an iPhone, um, it still takes a lot of work. Yeah. You have to be willing to roll up your sleeves um, and uh, 
and, 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 and spend a lot of hours working on stuff. You have to be passionate about it. That's probably one of the biggest things. You have to spend the time getting smart about whatever it is that you want to do, mm-hmm. which means a lot of reading, a lot of background reading, uh, staying current with trends. You need a network. Um, being successful and being a introvert are mutually exclusive. They're hard to do both. Um, I have spent most of my life as an introvert. And I'll be honest with you and say that starting from uh, after age 30 to 35, I really began to come out of my shell. And uh, as I got older, I got more comfortable talking to people. Uh, I became uh, better at public speaking. Um, I was encouraged and I took the opportunity to present at conferences, get talks, and other stuff like that, which helps you start thinking, you know, you want to be able to coherent and be able to talk to people and that. Um, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need to know how to give a, how to give an elevator's pitch. Right, how to get on an elevator was you know the elevator pitch is the famous thing, which is that suppose you were on a, on an elevator, so you had sixty seconds to talk to somebody on that elevator. What would you say in sixty seconds? What you know, a lot of people don't have that down pat. They don't have that practiced. What is your sixty second pitch about your company? Why should I give a give a give a crap about it? Yeah. So the, all those little things like that um, take time and practice. Takes passion. And, and so um, I, I encourage people to, uh, to do all those things, the hard work, the research, uh, figure out how to, if you're a natural introvert, like I was, um, how do you get out of that shell? Start figuring out how to get out of that shell, start becoming socially active, build a network um, uh, around that. And uh, those, those types of things, uh, find someone trusted, a trusted mentor that you can go to um, to ask questions for, get some advice. Yeah. Um, those are those are some starters. Okay, okay. So as we're coming close to the end, this is the part of the show also where since I've been asking all the questions and getting all the information, this is the part where you can ask me a question, anything that you have on your mind or would like to know as we close out. I'd like to know what got you into uh, to wanting to do this. Um, tell me, tell me about your background that led you down the this idea of the podcast and what your goals are. I'd like to hear that. Okay. So what got me onto the podcast is because obviously you know some of us come from different neighborhoods that a lot of individuals have to see certain things or they they start assuming things. They start living off of what they see on TV or whatever the case may be. So I said, there's plenty of businesses that you can get into. What's the first person a person would sometimes say when they don't have that drive? They'll say, well, uh, you have to have this amount of money to do it. You have to have this to do it. You need to do that. So I started this show with the intent and the mind frame of I want to get up and coming entrepreneurs, right? Instead of having ones that are already successful that you always see on TV telling their story about how they came up, but you never really see them as they're in growth, right? So I said, I'm going to find some of my entrepreneurs that are in that growth method at the moment so they can tell you as they're growing what they're actually going through. They're not telling you about, you know, 20, you know, from 20, 40, 
50 years ago that they're already millionaires now, you know? And then, and, and I want individuals to understand that, hey, you know, no matter how much, there's ways to do it without having to pay so much. There's ways to do it if you just sit back and take a look at it. But some people don't, don't think like that. They move, you know, whether it's at a super fast pace where they just drive by that idea or they move at a super slow pace that they just, they're, they, they're just afraid to put their foot out there, you know? One of the, the good things about being from New York is you're able to be personable, you know? We're, we're already, a lot of us are already outgoing. We're, we're able to start that conversation. We're able to learn to hustle because it, it calls for that, to, for us to survive yeah. in a big city like that. Um, yes. You know, your job is not guaranteed tomorrow in, in a city like that, where in other big cities, yeah, you could have a bad day and still come back. In New York, a, a company gets bought out damn near daily, you know? So, you know, you could be clearing your, your, your desk out pretty soon and you just got there. So, you know, I, I wanted individuals to know that, hey, it's okay to get out there, uh, fall a little bit in the business, and then turn back around. And there's there's way to step back up. Just because you didn't see it work for somebody else don't mean it won't work for you. As you mentioned earlier, the food truck, right? and Or a chef. So if you don't go out there and show an individual that you got these skills in your own kitchen and say, hey, look, hey, I'm going to put this to work. I'm going to try to get a restaurant. I'm going to start at home cooking. I'll start catering from home. You know, at that point, you're like always like, oh, I'm going to get a food truck. I'm going to get a food truck. You got to wait on that food truck, you know. So why not already get it going in your 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 house? Don't don't leave yourself a reason why you haven't got started, you know, because you feel like you have to have that. A business will start right here. We, we, we Like you said, over time, technology is crazy. You, you start it right here. It advertises through social media. It self moves itself as long as you got a good product, you know. Um, so I, I wanted to share that knowledge with individuals. And then, like I said, the knowledge hour and stuff like that, individuals can receive knowledge that maybe they would have never ran across individual of a certain type or a certain kind or a certain field that they can get some knowledge. Like, man, what he said was just interesting. And now I need to go look it up. Now I need to go, you know, research and figure out that that sounds kind of interesting for me to get into or you know, so you give, you give some knowledge or something that might help them in their, their career path, whether it's dealing with a, a business or not. So I think that the word, once it gets out there and everybody is constantly spreading it and everybody's not afraid to share information um, because I think we, we came from a time where everybody was private with their business ventures because they didn't want to be in competition. But these days it's like, hey, it's, 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 it's enough for everybody to eat. Why not share, share the knowledge? There is. Yeah. That, that, that's probably one of the biggest things is is if you think you can't do that because it's too tight, then you're not you're not really grasping how big the world is and how big the opportunity space is. It really oh, yeah. is. Oh yeah. And and you know one of the one of the things that that people have to be uh, prepared to do is is you have to expect that when you decide to become an entrepreneur and start a business, um, you have to uh, you really want to commit to it for the long haul. Yeah. Not, oh, I'm going to go do this and sell it in a year. It's like, no, go go build a successful business. Do not think about what your exit strategy is. Yeah. Start and just build a successful business. That which, that That is where 110% of your mind should be focused on, which is how do I make this business successful? Oh, yeah. How do I differentiate myself from, from people out there? How do I entice customers to come give me a try? How do I retain my customers? Right. Yeah. That's another big thing. How do I retain them? Right. That's where all, all your focus should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, back, you know, 10, 
10 years ago or so, I was really kind of driven up, driven up a wall by all these young kids coming out and, you know, they, they, they spent a year writing code after college and all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah, I want to go build an app and sell it to Google for $10 million. Hmm. Uh, it's like, well, you know, there are those few anomaly cases out there, but for the rest of us, it takes several years of hard work to accomplish something. Yeah. And have a successful business. To, yeah. You can't be afraid to, to fail. You know, like I said, when you go in with a negative, negative thought, negativity spreads faster. So you go in with a negative thought, like, oh, what's going to happen if this happens? What's going to happen? Hey, we, we, it's like a casino, man. We'll find out once the dice roll and they didn't land on your number, you know? And so. as entrepreneurs, um, we owe it to ourselves to, uh, uh, to, we owe it to these to to other entrepreneurs to help them where we can. Um, and uh, one of the uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is uh, helping mentor other people, getting their companies going, uh, and and sharing sharing with them about that. So you know, I'll reach out to them, whether it's a, a guy starting up a landscaping business, whether it's a guy starting a mowing business, uh, whether it's a guy starting a uh, uh, a auto repair business, an air conditioning business. These guys are all entrepreneurs too, and uh, yeah. and I I use them. And sometimes they're stressed because they they're not like a big company that can't. Maybe yeah. they have a whole bunch of people hitting them all at the same time. And I try to be understanding with them around that. And I might give them a you know a little bit of positive feedback. Say, hey, you're doing really well here. Watch out over here, and what have you. And uh, that's just. A little bit of a give back, yeah, um, oh, yeah, to, to people like that. But I really yeah. go out of my way to focus on helping small businesses, whether it's a farm, whether it's a, like I said, a, an individual guy who started a landscaping business. It's like, okay, yeah, you, no, that's definitely I, a good thing. I, I, I wanna, I wanna help those guys. Yeah, I do the same. I do the same. Well, Dan, hey, I definitely appreciate you uh, for coming on the show. Um, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. I, I, anytime, anytime. Yeah. I'll make sure you're asking me more airplane pictures. I'll have pictures, airplane questions. I'm going to have pictures next time. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hey, definitely. It's what, hey, technology worked though this time for us though, Dan. Technology worked for us. So, Love all right, it. Dan, I'll talk to you next time. Gary, have a great evening. All right, you too, Dan. <laughs>